Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to all of my fantastic listeners out there. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com internet radio. And I hope all is well and great with you since my last broadcast. I am doing well. Um, as I was talking about, um, uh, you know, that how fast time passes and, you know, and it's just like, wow, here we are already upon us, you know, with the you know, it's, it's, it's November already. Oh my gosh. And a lot of, uh, areas in our country are experiencing snow and, and, um, other, you know, types of inclement weather. And I hope that all of you that are involved in the, <clears throat> excuse me, inclement weather, I hope that you're all safe out there and nice and toasty and warm and that you have everything that you need so that you can have a successful day. All right. Now, this is the season to be jolly. As I was kind of alluding to earlier, is upon us, and we will be celebrating Thanksgiving, guys, which is the last Thursday of this month. And for all of you who have been listening to me for a while, remember I start playing my Christmas music on the 1st of November. Now, this is something that I started some years ago, and the reason is because time goes by so quickly, and this being the favorite time of the year for me. So in order to prolong it, I play my Christmas music on the 1st of November I bet a lot of you guys out there play it early. Maybe not on the 1st of November, but I bet you started in the month of November. So there you go. Now, there has been a lot of things, important things that have been going on in our country within the last month of my broadcast. And I want to start by briefly paying my condolences to two very distinguished public officials that transitioned in the month of October. And they are Elijah Cummings. He was an American politician and civil rights advocate who served in the United States House of Representatives for Maryland's 7th Congressional District from 1996 until he transitioned in 2019. He was extremely active um, in, you know, regarding the civil rights movement and just overall making assurances that not, <clears throat> excuse me, that not only people of color, but all people were treated justly and fairly. And John Conyers was an American career politician um, of the Democratic Party who served as a U.S. representative for the state of Michigan from 1965 to 2017. These are two very important political individuals in this country who will be truly missed. And please rest in peace, God's child. Well, when you actually think about this, listeners, for all of you who want to start your holiday shopping, it's not too early. Now, I'm going to start uh, this month, so I'm, you know, I don't want to be behind, you know, like I was a couple of years ago. Although I, I did, I will say that I, I you know, kind of like being out there with all of the shoppers and things like that. It's kind of, you know, spirited kind of a, a feel or whatever. But, you know, it brings much joy to me to be to be out there shopping among, you know, the, the public and stuff, as long as the public is acting like they have some sense. Now, excuse me, I have a great show lined up for you today. 
with my fabulous um <clears throat> with my fabulous guest, the world's best mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell, excuse me. And we're going to be talking about hot topics that are interesting, educational, and controversial. All right? Now, I'm going to be bringing my guest on momentarily, but I want to talk to you about something first, which is called mapping out your day. All right? I think that this is a very um, good and important dinner table conversation suggestion. And this time, I want to discuss incorporating higher thoughts in your mind as you begin your day, also known as mapping your day. For example, when you wake up in the morning, have you ever noticed what your first thoughts are? You know, um, what are you thinking about? Are you grateful to God for another day? Are you chipper saying good day to your loved ones? Or have you ever asked yourself, how am I feeling and wishing the best for yourself? And what are my tasks for today? And how and how am I going to get through them? Do you ask those questions of yourself? Are you feeling happy about your day start or are you having downward thoughts? Perhaps you're not feeling well and need to take some time or maybe even a day to find out why you are having these symptoms. With all of the busyness that can relate to stress in in life, maybe it is as simple as you need some TLC for yourself to breathe for a moment or maybe a visit to your physician for a needed checkup. All of these things are important to recognize. You're asking why? Because it is very indicative of how your day will be. I refer to it as mapping out my day. For example, what do I need to accomplish today and what are the things that can wait until the next day? So I'm not feeling so overwhelmed. People are working long hours and more than one job to make ends meet. Our government officials are extremely controversial and we are gearing up for another presidential election. We'll talk about Russian influences still involved with our democracy process. We have issues with our ecology, our health care, teacher striking. Our educational system in this country sucks with no end in sight of resolving this issue. People are seemingly becoming more and more disrespectful of themselves and they therefore go out and disobey the laws and hurt other people or take their lives. Our food supply is questionable with the recalls of meat and even cereals. California wildfires are consistently causing loss of homes, lives and land damage. More and more people are disconnected from the source, which is God. All of what I just spoke about does affect our embodiment daily on some scale. And a lot of times we do not even know it. We so often just move along with our day. This is why it is important to map out our day. Speak with confidence and be bold about what tasks need to be taken care of this day because it is important to take care of our mind, our body, and our soul 24 hours, seven days a week. Do not become overwhelmed. Remember that. Talk about this tonight as you and your family are eating dinner, listeners, and maybe even a topic of your choice at, you know, Thanksgiving gathering. This would be a good topic as we are looking into coming into another year. It is very important, and you will find out that perhaps even within your close circle, a family member may be struggling and or need assistance on some level. Conversating is a good thing. Okay. Let me bring on my guest. He is the world's best mental health therapist, and he's a very welcome 
um, conversation list on my program. And he is also my brother. And good morning, Reginald. Hi, good morning. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning uh, to everyone. Um, I just want to quickly uh, send out condolences to my friend, Julie. Uh, Julie uh, was the friend who I met um, in my first job when I came to Arizona. Uh, met her and her husband, Butch. They were just so kind and nice to me. Uh, Butch told me about um, the car show in over by Talking Points. Like myself, he's a car, he was a car guy, and he told me about the car show and things like that. It was just so just such a wonderful man. Uh, with Julie, uh, about 15 minutes ago, informed me that Butch passed away uh, Monday. Uh, mm-hmm. So I want to send my condolences out to Julie and. Uh, but rest in peace um, was really a wonderful person. And as I say, they were just so kind to me. Julie, every year, even after I left that current position, and it's been two years, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, she would bake cookies and mail them to me <laughs> every mm-hmm. single year. Um, mm-hmm. So my condolences to her and um, uh, but rest in peace, my brother. Love you. Miss you. Okay, Reginald. All right. All right. So let's get right into talking about our first uh, topic, which is um, the Swedish teenager environmentalist Greta Thunberg. She is a um, environmental uh, activist on climate change whose campaigning has gained in, in, uh, international recognition. Now, Wikipedia says this about her in briefly. Thunberg first became known for her activism in August 2018, when at age 15, she began spending her school days outside the Swedish parliament to call for stronger action on global warming by holding up a sign saying in Swedish school strike for the climate. Soon other students engaged in similar protests in their own communities. Together, they organized a school climate strike movement under the name Fridays for Future. Now, after Thunberg addressed the 2018 uh, United Nations Climate Change Conference, Reginald, student strike took place every week somewhere in the world. You know, somewhere in the world, every week someone was striking. Now, in 2019, there were at least two coordinated multi-city protests involving um, over one million students each. Thunberg is known for her blunt, straightforward speaking manner, both in public and to political leaders and assemblies in which she urges immediate action to address what she describes as a climate crisis. Now, at home, Thornburg convinced her parents to adopt several lifestyle choices to reduce their carbon footprint, including giving up air travel and not eating meat. Now, her sudden rise to world fame has made her a leader and a target. Now, in May 2019, Thunberg was featured on the cover of Time magazine, which named her a next generation leader and noted that many see her as a role model. Now, you know, Reginald, she was recently on the Ellen DeGeneres show on 11-1, and she gave a great interview. For all of you who did not see it, you know, you can YouTube it. And she, in my opinion, is very phenomenal. She's also nominated for the uh, she was nominated for the 2019 Nobel Peace Prize, uh, which she all which was ultimately uh, ultimately awarded to the Ethiopian prime minister, Abiy Ahmed Ali. 
In September 2019, she addressed the U.N. Climate Action Summit in New York. Now, I love the boldness, caring, and intelligence of this person. She knows exactly what she is talking about, and she has no fear of confronting people about the necessary changes that must take place with our ecology. Dig this. She even has a book out, Reginald, that is titled No One is Too Small to Make a Difference. So, so you know, Reginald, we talked about uh, this, you know, that the things that we protested about when we were coming up as teenagers seems to have come back again. And we are dealing with this again. So what are your thoughts on on um, this, Reginald, this young woman and uh, the climate change that she is so adamantly um, protesting about? Well, uh, she's to me, she's a very impressive young woman, very well spoken, very well read. Um, she is stepping out um, on something that's important um, to our world, not just a country. It's this is important to our world. Uh, uh, it was the classic, the facial expression she had on Donald Trump when um, a few months ago when he was speaking uh, at, at the United at the uh, UN. Uh, she was speaking as well. Uh, so if anyone didn't see her facial expression towards him when he walked out, that's that's classic. And this is something that needs to be addressed because this is, I mean, this is a crisis. This is a world crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, we have the Republican Party that are client deniers. They're science, science deniers. And this is something that is going to affect the world, not just the country. So, uh, so I'm impressed by this young woman of stepping out uh, and speaking on important topics. Uh, and I'm glad these kind of things have come back the way they did uh, when baby boomers were, were teenagers and in their 20s protesting um, uh, the Vietnam War and other important crises. Exactly. And these things need to be talked about because it's about uh, not, uh, you know, their future and our future as well. It's about everyone's future. This is no plaything. And uh, they were discussing this topic um, um, on uh, The View last week. And uh, Joe Behar uh, brought up the, the um, comment, and I had heard this before, that, you know, um, because I always like to pay attention to what's going on scientifically as well. And um, all of these um, uh, scientists are saying we have like 11 years, okay, to start reversing uh, what what has been done, and that's it. I mean, this is is really something. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's very important, and it's also scary. So we need to do something about reducing our carbon footprint, like you know, ASAP. It is a real thing, okay. Now, thanks for that comment, Rachel. I appreciate that. And I'm very sorry to hear about your friend as well. Now, black kids go missing at a higher rate than white kids. This is a topic, Reginald, that has been discussed on my show um, earlier. And uh, CNN reported um, on 11-3-2019 by their reporter, Harmit Carr. The chilling story of Jaime Claus, the 13-year-old Wisconsin girl who was kidnapped after her parents were killed last year, was national news. But people might be less familiar with the story of Ariana Fitz, a two-year-old who went missing in 2016 before her mother was found brutally murdered in the San Francisco Bay Area. Now, each of these cases is compelling, but the two didn't receive the same amount of media attention. Some experts believe it's because Klaus is white and Fitz is black. 
Now, in fact, data shows that missing white children receive far more media coverage than missing black and brown children, despite higher rates of missing children among communities of color. The FBI's National Crime Information Center, also known as the NCIC, database lists 424,066 missing children under 18 in 2018. That's a lot. The most recent year for which data is available. Now, about 37% of those children are black, even though black children only make up about 14% of all children in the United States. Now, it's harder to say how many Hispanics are missing. The FBI report groups white and Hispanic children together, which I just don't understand that. I was looking at this, you know, doing my research. I'm like, why are they doing that? Now, based on other reports, Reginald, about 20 percent of missing children are Hispanic or Latino. Okay, but they did crop that out for this, according to Robert Lowry, who is vice president of the Missing Children's Division at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. But the real number, he said, is likely higher. He says, I think there's a false belief that white children make up the biggest number of missing children when, in fact, proportionately, it's just the opposite. He said by adding that high number of black girls reported missing is particularly concerning. And that's what I had reported on in my earlier show about the number of black girls that are being reported missing. Now, here are some um, reasons experts say why we don't hear more about missing children of color. Originally, they said that their families are hesitant to call the police. Um, and there's a sense of distrust between law enforcement and the minority community. That's that's one of the reasons, says Natalie Wilson, who is a co-founder of the Black and Missing Foundation. Now, um, what do you think, Reginald, could be behind, um, you know, a, a, a lot of this? Why, you know, that uh, when black uh, children or children of color, period, are missing, that it is so um, underreported? Well, I feel that um, uh, black children and children of color and black people and people of color in general are not valued. Um, mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, that's just the bottom line. They're not they're not valued. And, um, you know, this is something that that is not new. This is something that has been going on for decades mm-hmm. um, in the 70s uh, with the Atlanta murders and, and Wayne Williams. I mean, this had been going on for a while before it got national attention. It had to get national attention because of the body count that was just piling up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only reason why this case was, was, was solved and they started looking more into it. Um, but the number of, of missing children of, of color is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's, it's just phenomenal. It's, it's mind-blowing. Uh, but unfortunately, um, people of color are not valued. You know, mm-hmm. it's sad to say, but 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 that's it. And you're right. If, you know, for if, if, and, and and all of you know, every every life is valued. Everyone yes. is a is a is a child of God. God created every human being walking the face of this earth that has walked the face of this earth and will walk the face of this earth. So you know, every human being needs that. But, um, but you know, yeah. we do. The reality is that America is a racist society, and how and and that's that for that. 
you know, just have to be very blunt and say it. It may seem ugly or <gasps> no, that just can't be. But it is. It can be, you know, just open your eyes. You'll see it. The report also goes on to say that one of, you know, some of the other reasons that's not reported, Reginald, is that um that distrust con- contributes to a silent code of no snitching. Wilson said mm-hmm. um, that is the that is important for people who suspect a child missing is to speak up. Now, the news media, as you just uh, talked about, organizations have been criticized for not um, giving missing children the amount of attention that uh, they they give missing white children. Now, the news media have often been criticized for not giving uh, missing black children the amount of attention they give missing white children. Another thing they say, some get classified as runaways. You know, uh, we talked about this during my other report. These cases do not get the same potential that. Uh, abductions by non-family members or strangers do, although these scenarios fall under the missing umbrella. Here's another one. Families don't always have the financial resources to respond appropriately when their child is missing. They not may they may not be able to afford a private investigator, for example, original, or take off from work mm-hmm. to help look for their child and follow up with law enforcement and the media. And in some cases, they may not know what to do. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, is this is this is um uh, uh, very important. And as I said, that we had talked about this, um, you know, with the missing black children and the lack of attention and um and all the other things that I just uh, spoke of. And it's a doggone shame that it still goes on. And a lot mm-hmm. of things, if, you, if for all of you who have been following me for for years, as a matter of fact, this month marks my fifth year of broadcasting on talkzone.com. Um, so, but any, so, but anyway, um, um, I, 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 you know, this is, this has just been going on and, and I, I'm not understanding also what is the rise in our black, uh, girls. And I don't like to call, call people black because as I said, I, you know, for all of those who out there who want to call yourselves black, that's fine. I preferably, Say that I'm a child of the most high God. I'm a person, you know, um, of, of color, but I mean, you know, it's just like calling somebody white, you know, the black is black and, and white is white. I mean, have you ever seen anybody that color white? Have you ever seen anybody the color black? No. So why do we need to distinguish ourselves? We're, we're all human beings here, uh, doing our best to find our way and which our way is supposed to be is finding our way to be closer to God. That's what we're all supposed to be about and also helping one another. So anyway, um, I just, you know, I just wanted to, you know, to talk about this, as I said, um, I'm, I'm repetitive in my reports a lot because when I see that things still have not ha- are not happening, I, I, you know, report them again, Reginald, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, like so many other issues, like the climate change, it's, you know, these things are important and they need to come to the forefront, um, mm-hmm. you know, with their attention and action that's needed. Yeah. And I like to keep my listeners um, informed, not to say that they're not informed, you know, uh, anyways, to begin with. I know all my listeners are a Johnny on the spot, but I'm just saying, you know, for any of all of those who may not know something, this is why one of the reasons that I'm here. All right, Reginald, can we delve into some health care for a moment? <laughs> now, here is an article. It was dated 8-21-2019 by Dave Roos of Health 
www.howstuffworks.com. And he is reporting the following in part, saying that a growing number of doctors take only cash, not insurance. After eight years practicing family medicine at a traditional doctor's office in Boise, Idaho, Dr. Julie Gunther was burned out. She had 2,300 patients, Reginald, under her care, which meant that appointments were seven minutes rust job and new patients had a three-month wait to see her. This wasn't why Gunther had become a doctor or what she had been trained decades to do. The pace took a toll on her physically and emotionally. She became angry and tired and the relationships suffered. Now, in 2013, she heard about a new healthcare business model called direct primary care, also known as DPC. Instead of building patients through insurance for each appointment and procedure, a bureaucratic nightmare that Gunther believes negatively impacts patient care, DPC doctors charged a flat monthly fee. No insurance, no co-pays. Patients pay in cash and can see their doctor as much as they want. Now, Gunther Sparks, smart, uh, Gunther runs Spark MD, a small DPC clinic in Boise. And she has a maximum of 600 patients now, Reginald, which is down for 2300 Now, these adults pay $79 a month. The kids pay $10 a month. And patients 90 years and, and above are free. A Spark MD monthly subscription includes same-day sick visits, comprehensive, comprehensive physical exams, common procedures like pap smears and wart removals and more. Lab tests and x-rays are available for steeply reduced fees. And Gunther's in-house wholesale pharmacy sells generic meds at a fraction of the retail costs, even with insurance. But most important for Gunther is that she can finally spend time with her patients, and that's so important, giving them the personal and comprehensive care they deserve. Appointments can run over an hour, and patients can reach her after hours and on weekends directly on her cell phone. She calls it open access scheduling. I think that's great. Now, this article says it's a growing uh, trend, Reginald. What do you think about this so far? I, I mean, I like it so far. It's, it's great. And, and, you know, dealing other physicians, because it's become mm-hmm. for profit only. It's become big business. It's become only. Um, and that's mm-hmm. uh, concentrating on the health care of, of the patient. And, you know, a lot of physicians, doctors, and, you know, therapists have found it to be a complete nightmare. And, and, and it is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, hey, let's just go back 20 years ago or 30 years ago. It goes by so fast. You, you know, it was, it, and, and the companies discovered that, oh, wait a minute, this is big money that we can make big money, period, on healthcare without concentrating on the healthcare of the individual. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can say you need a medication, a certain medication. That medication in the United States costs, let's just say, $100. Just use $100. Why is it that you can go to Canada or if you live in Arizona, you know, whatever, go to Mexico and mm-hmm. get that same medication for five dollars? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean it's just it's just so blatant. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people who have done this and experimented with this, you know, they know and they can verify that. Or, you know, talk to people all the time, like, oh no, I'm gonna go to Mexico and get to get my medication. Or I'm or I'm gonna go actually Bernie Sanders had a 
somewhat of a bus tour like thing a few months ago uh, where he went uh, to Canada from, from Detroit and uh, there was a person who uh, needed a certain medication for her diabetes. And, uh, and yeah, that medication was like a hundred bucks per pill. They went just across the border to Canada and bought that same medication for like $10. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, it's sad that it's not the concern of the patient, but it's for profit only. Only. Exactly. And then the, the, the article was saying that DPC is not the same as concierge medicine. With concierge care, insurance providers may still be billed and the membership fees paid by patients go towards getting greater access to doctors, plus extensive physicals and procedures not covered by insurance. OK, listeners, are you guys hearing this? Now, more doctors are switching to DPC because they, like Gunther, are fed up with insurance companies, red tape and want to work directly with patients to meet their needs. Now, more patients are signing up for DPC because, you know, uh, plan DPC plans because the prices are transparent. Their doctor is always available and paying cash for medical care and prescription pills is actually saving them money. And I think that this is this is great. You know, and like you were saying um, earlier, Reginald, that, you know, I'm calling it the price bump, you know, up of meds is just off the chain. And I do know some people who do go to um Mexico to get their get, to get their pills. I mean, how how is that going to be? A pill that you know you can get, I don't know, 20 pills for $5 and then over here is like 800. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. That that's just yeah. totally that's just totally ridiculous. It makes no sense. You know, you're not doing your best. You're not even trying, okay? Right. And um you're not even trying uh to do better for the people uh, that that's in this country. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a great country, but there's a lot of things that needs to be corrected about it. And and we can de- do these corrections. And this is one way that we can start um, correcting um, uh, the things in this country. Uh, listeners is that, you know, as I, I have said before, if we don't have uh, have a healthy populace, we do not have a thriving populace. It will cease, period, you know. So we need to be savvy about the medications and the doctors that we seek for our health care and prescribed medicines. We also need to take care of our carbon footprint. You know, you know what I'm saying, Reginald? Any last comments? No, uh, I, I hope that's something that other doctors um, uh, start to do uh, because it's something that, that's affordable, would be affordable to a lot more patients, you know, uh, $70 mm-hmm. something dollars per, per month compared to, you know, some insurance companies through your job can be two hundred dollars for a single person, two hundred mm-hmm. and something more dollars per paycheck. Uh, if you have a family, now it's three or four hundred dollars per paycheck. Uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. It mm-hmm. is ridiculous, and and yeah, it's it's a shame that it's not about the welfare of the patient. Yeah, um, you know, and, and just one yeah. final thing, you know, just again, saw the commercial about um, um, uh, uh, Danny Thomas and Marlo Thomas, you know, the, uh, you know, the Shriners Hospital, you know, uh, you know he, he went out to, did, to do something like that. And this was even before, you know, the healthcare mess that, that we have now. So it's mm-hmm. not like it can't be done. It's just that these companies don't want it to. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. No, they don't. They don't want to because they're too busy thinking, oh, well, at the end of the year, I need to get my 30 million and maybe, you know, as my 30 million dollars for a prize for something that they have not done which is supposed to be taking care of the, the populace and their employees. And and, and then for the, at the end of the year, Reginald, let me give the employees $500, you know, as a bonus, you know, after all, they've, you right. know, they've worked all of these hours, but I'm going to get my 30 million. It's bullshit. So that's all I have right. to say about that. All right. Let's, let's move on to my off the cuff question, which is um, the wildfires in California. And mm-hmm. I do know that the climate change has a lot to do with it. Like the, you know, we're having, you know, uh, more winds, more dryness, you know, and the winds brushing up the, you know, dry elements, um, in the, it, you know, um, in California, uh, can, um, start, can, can start, you know, a fire. But I don't think, uh, this is just my personal opinion, uh, because there is climate change, definitely. But I don't think that it's all to be blamed on the fires that started. And I do know that other states and other um, countries like Chile is experiencing, um, you know, these things as well. However, I want to say the question is rather, do you think arson could be part of the blame for these fires? Well, there has been some issues where arson has been. Um Last week, there was um, a police chase, and the sparks from the the, the tires of the rims or whatever of the, of the person that uh, the police were chasing started a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so those two people were, you know, apprehended, arrested, and you know, going to be charged with with with, with arson. Um, but it's a combination, yeah, of unfortunate because I know last year, year before. Uh, was with some of the fires. Uh, there was a person who, you know, who started the fire that ended up, you know, destroying just so many acres so and many, homes yeah. and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the utility company in California, whose name I can't remember right now. Uh, um, yeah, they, um, uh, it was an issue with, with some of their equipment that, um, allegedly uh, started one of the fires. So, mm-hmm. so just, there's so many variables, you know, uh, with that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. with these fires. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, I'm summationing up to carelessness, human carelessness. Like people are still throwing cigarettes out the window. Are you, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? You know, yeah. we uh, travel. To California, um, you know, and um, and we're we're seeing people do this, you know, throwing the cigarettes, thumping them out the window. I'm like, what is this? 1930? What the heck are you doing? You know, and uh, we can also um, as we're driving uh, to or fro, um, see small fires, you know, and a, and the, um, uh, uh, you know, fire uh, crew is there putting the fire out. And um, and that's not from any wind that's blowing. That's from people throwing, you know, throwing their, mm-hmm. you know, throwing their um, cigarettes out the window. Um, another thing is that um, um, uh, people cars um, uh, for some reason from not being taken care of to maybe something that happened with the car and they pull over on the side of the road and it's dry going down. Um, you know, uh, certain parts of uh, visiting California, for example, 
and um and it starts a fire and then the next thing you know Reginald you got a whole four five six seven acres on fire you know all these kinds of things so it's right. not just one it's not just one thing it's 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 a it's a whole it's a myriad of things that we uh can be more cognizant about and uh, that's what I'm saying. We can help the ecology. I've already talked about that. Um, carelessness, really. Come on now. Stop thunking your cigarettes out the window. That's just that's just stupid, you know. And PG&E, these companies, they boast and have these um, uh, commercials about what they're doing uh, for their customers and and uh, blah 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 da 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 da. Only to find out they're still running their stuff, you know. Um, ill-equipped, uh, obviously, you know, um, it's been said that, um, that, you know, allegedly it hasn't been proved anything, but allegedly that their equipment is not, you know, up to par. So who knows? All I'm saying is that everybody just needs to, you know, to look at themselves and they can be better, you know, because it's, if it's, if we don't take care of this uh, planet, then you know what the other thing is going to be. All right. Now, Let's talk about this. It is being um wait wait wait. I want to I want to talk about this first though. I um cuz I I found this to be um uh, quite um important here and this is about um there are never more women in UK parliament. Now there's an exodus. Now this is a report by CNN's Bianca Britton on um, October 31st, 2019, Reginald. Now, it says that a growing number of female British lawmakers have quit ahead of the UK general election with some citing vicious abuse and intimidations as reason for stepping down. In total, six female politicians have resigned uh, since Monday because of the difficulties of being an MP. And uh, for all of you who don't, don't know, because they use so many acronyms, MP is member of parliament, personal circumstances are due to threats. Now, the exodus comes after a record number of women were elected to the parliament in the 2017 election. Culture Secretary and, cons- and Conservative MP Nikki Mormon, Morgan was the latest to resign on Wednesday evening, saying that the clear impact on my family and the other sacrifices involved in and the abuse for doing the job as a Martin MP were behind her decision. Carolyn Spellman and Mims Davis are two other female conservatives who announced they were standing down. On Thursday, Spellman wrote for the Times in the UK that this is not surprising that so many good female colleagues have decided to stand down at this election after the prevalence of sexually charged rhetoric on social media with threats to rape us and referring to us by our genitalia. She said female candidates are deterred from entering the political sphere as a result. There are also a number of senior male conservative MPs who are standing down ahead of the December 12th election. And they include Joe Johnson, the prime minister's brother, Ken Clark, the longest serving member of parliament and veteran Alistair Burt. Now, earlier this year, Reginald, London Metropolitan Police Chief Cressida Dick told a parliamentary commit committee that officers had seen a very considerable rise in the number of threats received by MPs. And the statistics shows crimes had doubled from 151 in 2017 to 341 in 2018. Now, those targeted disproportionately, here we go, Reginald, are women 
and BAMEs. BAME stands for Black, Asian, and Minority Ethnic MPs across the political spectrum. Among those abused the most is Labor Shadow Home Secretary Diane Abbott, who was the UK's first female black lawmaker. Now, a report by Amnesty International found that ahead of the 2017 election, 45% of abusive tweets were aimed at her and amounted to an average of 51 abusive tweets a day. It's the volume of it which makes it so debilitating, so corrosive, and so upsetting, Abbott told Amnesty. She added that the kind of abuse she receives makes younger women of color very hesitant about entering the public debate and thinking about going in politics. Your comments, Reginald? Gosh. So, so nothing has, nothing has changed with, um, with, with, with human beings and, and sexism. I mean, this is 2019 Mm -hmm. and, you know, this type of behavior is still running rampant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's a shame. Uh, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it does discourage uh, people from, from running. And, and but unfortunately, this is what they want. You know, sexism, racism, you know, all of that, the aim is to discourage people from speaking up, speaking out uh, about the wrong. In, in society, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we just have to continue to, you know, fight the good fight because if we don't, they win. Exactly, and that's what they want. That is what exactly. they want. But isn't that isn't that something? I knew that there was, you know, wow. uh, political political, um, you know, craziness going on over there in the UK. Um, but this is why it's, it's very, you know, education is a beautiful thing. Okay. And it's a wonderful thing and it's a long lasting thing. And, um, I love to read. I, I love to, love to read. My, my husband comments about that all the time. You know, you are uh, definitely a voracious reader. I'm always reading something. And then I love to, you know, take what I, what I'm reading. I'm not taking it just for face value. I'm going to research it so that I can, you know, get to the truth of what is going on. But this is really something, as I said, this is a report that was in um, October 31st of 2019. And kudos to Bianca Britton of CNN for doing this report and bringing, you know, light to this situation. And um, I know that um, how how their sessions can go over there in Parliament, uh, which sometimes I wish our congressional sessions would would be would be kind of like that. But I'm you know, I'm just saying that this is this is terrible. This is terrible. And the thing is, is that. Men out there, there's more women than there are men, and that's just the way it's going to be. And, um, you know, you're not going to run us out of doing anything that, that we want to do for ourselves. And, um, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's bad, Reginald, because you have a lot of that going on over here in this country. Um, oh, with yeah. the, uh, you know, with the sexism and the racism, they have to run those two together. You know what I mean? It's not only just, you know, oh, you're, you're a woman and then they, they have to thumb you down about, you know, talking about your, um, you know, women, um, genitalias and, and things like that. I mean, what is that to talk about? It's just stupid. It, it, it makes absolutely, mean? yeah, it I makes mean, absolutely you, no sense. Yeah. You know, like, Go ahead. Five years, you know, uh, 15, 12, 13 years old or, or, or something, you know, you have these yeah. 
old grown ass men, you know, speaking that way, uh, who mm-hmm. obviously never matured uh, mm-hmm. mentally, you know, mm-hmm. so they're still talking like, you know, some 12, 13 year old who's going through puberty and, you know, maybe just discovering girls. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've never, they're, they, they, they were taught worse than some, some 12 or 13 year olds who are going through, through puberty, you know, but, but that's, you know, that's again, as I said, that's the whole thing is to discourage people, you know, so, uh, so they want things to remain the same, you know, um, the old good old, good old boy network where, you know, it's just representing a few people. And not yeah. people of, of different colors, different sexualities and, and all of that. But time is out for that. Nobody's going back to that mess. Exactly, Reginald. And it's something that has been discussed, you know, on this program, um, you know, with you and I and other guests and, and also in our private discussions is that, you know, um, and I, and I always, uh, talk about this is that, you know, human beings, they're, you know, in a lot of cases, their, their minds just doesn't, you know, they don't grow. They just want to stay in that same old thing all the yeah. time. You know, they just want to keep it status quo. You know, oh, this is how it has always been. You know, this is what my, my grandpappy did and, and my grand great great grandfather and all this stuff, you know, and it's and, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, because the thing is, as I said, that this round blue ball that God made, man did not make a damn thing and get get that straight. You know, this is a learning institution and we're here to learn. And I just spoke about earlier that we're here to help each other. You know, that if we do not have a, a, a uh, thriving populace that consists of a healthy populace, a populace yeah. that is, you know, high in consciousness and, and love and care, we're not going to succeed. And, you know, and it's just constantly going on. I mean, we can, we can turn around and say, Reginald, that this is on the same spectrum as we have here in the White House. Okay. Um, uh, that the White House that slaves built. I mean, look at this idiot sitting up there with his sexism and his racism and things, that, you know, really? like that. And and um, he's uh, set up, you know, to, um, you know, for impeachment and and you know, and it's just it's just a mess. It's just a mess, mess, and mess. And this is why I said in my dinner table conversation that we need to be cognizant of these things because we hear this news and um, you know, you you listen to it to be aware. You know, for whatever reasons that you guys listen to it. However, on some some spectrum of our body is resonating somewhere. And, you know, when you hear these things going on and on and on and on, it can play, you know, a, a negative part, you know, among our mind, body and soul. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm just I just want to mm-hmm. I just want to want to say that. OK, I, I want to move on because I'm I'm running out. But I want to talk about. This next one, Reginald. Now, it is being reported on the Marshall Project dot uh, org on eleven four twenty nineteen that more than fifty women walked out of a prison in Oklahoma. The state slashed sentences for more than five hundred people convicted in low level drug and theft cases. This number comprises men and women in Oklahoma whose felony uh, sentences for drug possession and theft were commuted by a sweeping vote of the state pardon and parole board. Now, earlier this year, state lawmakers made retroactive a decision by voters to reduce the penalties for small-scale drug possession and theft. Some experts say that it is the biggest single-day release of prisoners in U.S. history. The mass release marks a striking change for criminal justice reform in Oklahoma. Now, per capita, 
Reginald, the state has the second highest incarceration rate in the U.S. And it locks up women at the highest rate of any state. Now, before the mass release Monday, state prisons held almost 25,750 people. Now, Chris Steele, who is a Republican, served as Oklahoma Speaker of the House when the state first tried reforming the parole system in 2012. Now, many of those early attempts were thwarted by elected officials who viewed being tough on crime as politically advantageous, he said. Now, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma voters, Oklahoma voters, Reginald, approved a state initiative in 2017 that reclassified certain drugs and property crimes as misdemeanors instead of felonies. Now, this year, lawmakers passed a bill making those changes apply to people who were already serving felony sentences for those crimes. uh, Commutation um, alters a prison sentence that officials consider unjust and can only be granted by Oklahoma's governor once someone has been recommended by the state pardon and parole board. Now, in a new report, Reginald, the Prison Policy Initiative found that mass incarceration, and this is what I want people to know about this, that mass incarceration costs state and federal governments and American families, are you sitting down, $100 billion more each year than previously thought. Okay? Now, this is according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, and the annual cost of mass incarceration in the United States is $81 billion. Now, this was back in February 2017. Now, well, I just think, you know, Reginald, now this is something that I, I give kudos to um, Kim Kardashian and others who are working on prison reform, and this is something that I will be getting into, um, you know, as I'm taking, you know, my law studies. Uh, because I think that this is something that needs to be, uh, worked on. Um, this is something that, um, that is very interesting to me, interesting to me and that I, you know, also have about a lot of, uh, care and things about people that are in jail for no reason and we all deserve a second chance. Now, what do you think about what I've said so far? Well, the prison system is, is big business. Um, you know, as a, as a therapist, um, and who have worked with uh, the penal system, um, uh, it, it's big business now. So where you can go uh, and, and, and buy stock on the uh, stock exchange um, in companies that are running prison, mm-hmm. you know, so, so, so it's big money. Um, mm-hmm. What I used to tell, uh, you know, some of the guys that I counseled when I was working in, in the prisons, uh, uh, when I was in, in Chicago, that, you know, I say, listen, you know, look around. The guy that's cutting the grass out there, he has a job because you're here. Um, the, I have a job because you're here. The cook has mm-hmm. a job because you're here. You know, I mean, just, just on and on and on and on. And mm-hmm. that they are counting on you and others to continue in this type of lifestyle, you know. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, put me out of a job. I was doing a group once, and I said, I want you all to put me out of a job. Like, what are you talking about? Said, yeah, because if if I no longer have a job here, that means you guys are no longer doing what you're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, again, it, it, it's big business, and they want to keep people in there. 
you know, somebody with a with a dime bag of marijuana, you're giving them 25 years. Uh, you know, are, are you kidding me? And mm-hmm. then you have corporate raiders and all of that who do whatever they do, and they get a slap on the wrist. And if they mm-hmm. go to a lockup, it's, it's like a country club. Exactly. So, you know, so it's all about people who don't have the financial means or the mm-hmm. educational means to, you know, to, to fight for themselves, to represent themselves. I don't like that term, fight, uh, to, yeah. you know, to represent themselves. Mhm mhm. Now it says um in this in this article original that if the US prison population were a city, it would be among the country's 10 largest. More people are behind bars in America than they are living in major cities such as Philadelphia or Dallas. Now in many um cities and states um money as you just said often decides who stay in jail and who gets out. Now, this report also shows a video of um, a group of young women in a cell. Uh, they were in jail, of course, because this one young woman was talking about she is behind $545 of child support, and she's been in jail for six months. Now, she yeah. says she, she wants to get clean. She was a heroin addict. Um, she lost her job along the line. You know, she has a story, you know, and there, you know, but, you know, she said that she lost her job. She was trying to you know, get herself straight. And then, so now here she is, you know, she's $545 behind in the child support. And so here she is. She's, she's been in jail for six months because she's $545 behind in child support. And, um, you know, as she did say she was a heroin addict and, you know, she was trying to get clean and, you know, so I, it's, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just crazy. Prison reform is very, very important. And the other the other thing that I wanted to say about a thriving society is that we not only have to be very savvy in our um, education about the ecology and our health care, you know, but we also need to be a very educated society, too. You know, so that's another discussion Mm -hmm. about the educational process in this country, which I did say in earlier report, it sucks. And I'm saying it now that it sucks. Okay, so. um so um anyway, I want to talk about this guy by the name of Rodney Reed, Reginald. I got, oh, I think about maybe five minutes. And um this guy, he was um he was featured actually on CBS uh Sunday morning um this week. And uh he says that several new witnesses has also found has also come forward um in recent months in support of Rodney Reed. Now this guy, um this guy is um on death row. Okay. He's a gentleman of color and he's on death row. And, um, it says Reed has garnered a high profile supporters, including Dr. Phil McGraw, Kim Kardashian West, um, Rihanna, who, um, who tweeted on Texas governor, uh, who tweeted at Texas governor Greg Abbott to do the right thing and pardon Reed or commute his Sentence Rachel. Now on Friday, the the uh, the EU urged clemency for Reed, saying evidence cast substantial doubts as to his culpability in the 1996 murder of Stacy Stites, who was a white woman. And more than 130,000 have signed a Change.org position urging officials to halt the execution. Now this is a report. I want to say this. I didn't say this first. This is a report. A CBSNews.com 
by Aaron Donahue on 11 4 So go and read this in its entirety. It's a very good read. And the title of it is that there are mounting calls to halt execution of Texas death row inmate who maintains innocence. Okay. And, um, so his execution date, as I say, is 1120. So, you know, time is of the mm-hmm. essence, you know. So, and get this, Rachel, the latest witness to speak in Reese's defense, all right, is an inmate who was incarcerated with Fennel at a Texas prison. Now, Fennel is Stacy Seitz's boyfriend, who is an ex-police officer, who also served time for some crazy things that he did. Now, this guy, this inmate who was in jail with her boyfriend, recounted an affa- recounted um, in an affidavit submitted to the parole board that Fennel confessed to killing Stites. Remember, that was his girlfriend during a 2010 conversation in jail. The witness, Arthur Snow, was a leader of the Aryan Brotherhood, which is identified as a Southern Poverty Law Center as a white supremacist prison gang. Now, Snow, who was serving time for forgery, said Fennel had offered to pay the gang in exchange for protection. Now, according to Snow, Fennel was talking about his ex-fiance with a lot of hatred and resentment and said she had been sleeping around with the black man behind his back. Now, this is a very interesting story. However, one that is too familiar involving individuals who are in jail and are on death row. And if you are not familiar, listeners, uh, with the stories I said before, go and read it. And um, and this also gives the uh, facts of the case um, as well, which I found very interesting. And um, but but anyway, it's you know, it's yeah, it's, it's just it's just it's just crazy. It's just crazy. So. I got probably about two minutes left, I think. But uh, just very quickly, Reginald, you know, um, defining wow. the subpoenas that uh, what is the outcome for this? You know, mm-hmm. so being held in uh, contempt of Congress is meant for individuals who refuse to either testify or provide documents and other materials to various congressional uh, committees. This usually happens after said individual refuses to comply with the subpoena. I just very quickly want my listeners to know um that that the punishments that go along with being held in contempt of Congress can include a criminal referral to a U.S. attorney, which can result in severe punishments maxing out at either fines of up to one hundred thousand dollars or one year in jail. Congress does have the extensive power when it comes to government oversight, meaning they are well within their legal rights to comply to compel individuals and documents from other areas of government. So there, I got it all in, Reginald. <laughs> Thank you so very much, Reginald, for uh, being on my show. Um, I really appreciate your, your commentary, and I appreciate everyone who is listening to me. It's very, very appreciated. You guys go out there. Have a blessed day. Be safe. Be kind to yourself first, and then put it on others. This is Teresa E. Keys, your host for Here's Teresa. Make it a great day. 